You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Dumin, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Joy Lee girls basketball coach at Mazama High School. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, thank you, and, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, coach, I want to thank, start thank you by me. giving you... Oh, yes. I <laughs> want to start by giving you a chance to uh, maybe introduce yourself or tell people that aren't familiar with you uh, a little bit about your your basketball journey and and how you got into coaching and and becoming the head girls basketball coach at Mazama High School. Uh, well, I I went to high school at in uh, Amity and um, kind of started getting coaching aspirations. Then I had a really good high school coach and um, really taught me how to how to study the game and and become a better point guard. And then I went on to Linfield and played at Linfield. And then my first year out of college, I became the head girls basketball coach at Willamina High School. Um, I, I only did that for one year. I uh, coached softball there for two years and then uh, got married and started a family. Took a little bit of time off. I coached one year at North Salem and then uh, got hired at Fannie Am High School in Mill City and was there for seven or eight years, I think, two years as an assistant, six years as a head coach, and then went to California for a year, coached my daughter's club team, and then made it to Mazama from there. Wow, very cool. All over the all over the state, even across yeah. the border. Even across the border. Yeah, yeah. Good. It's helped me make a lot um, of good connections, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I'm curious, you know, Mazama is a 4A school. Um, some of the other ones, you know, Willamina, I think, is maybe 3A or 2A. I'm kind of curious, what what was your experience like at, at those different schools, and, and how did those compare to where you're at now? Um, you know, it's even though the the size is a little bit different, that they're, they're really not they're, – they're pretty much the same, I, I felt like, um, at the time, my um, – I didn't really seek out the job at Willamina. I, the athletic director, who is still the athletic director there, Jerry Bozinski, uh, known pretty much my entire life. And uh, he gave me a call. And so it was kind of a, okay, and <laughs> went on from there. Um, and then, you know, just kind of uh, everything kind of fell into place. I was, I was, I was pretty fortunate. And the, the different schools, you know, Willamina, we won two games, I think, that first year. It was a bunch of really great kids, just weren't great basketball players. Plus, I, I was young and inexperienced. And even though I had some great mentors, um, you know, I, I feel like I made a lot of mistakes. And then uh, Danny Am, I got into the same situation where I had fantastic kids and parents, and I had some really great assistant coaches. Uh, and the same thing happened at Mazama. So, um, you know, the experiences really have been fairly similar. Oh, that's great. I'm curious, you know, you talk about being a first-year coach, which is very difficult. 
Uh, and some of the things that, you know, now looking back as a veteran coach, you know, you look back and you're probably like, well, what was I doing? Um, yeah. Can you think back at, at anything, maybe anything in particular, maybe for coaches that are starting their first year, it might be some advice of like things that you thought were going to be great and then really you don't do anymore because you know better. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I got to keep in mind that kids are people too and they make mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I think have become a better communicator, uh, than I was back then. And, um, and I have to keep in mind that each one is an individual and they're not me. And, you know, I may be thinking one thing and they may be thinking something completely different. And that's my responsibility to communicate in a way that, that gets to them. Yeah, for sure. I think it's spot on. Spot on, Coach. Uh, I want to take a minute to talk about the season that just ended, uh, a, a bizarre year for many, many reasons. Uh, and as you kind of reflect on, on the past year and the season you had, what are maybe some, some key takeaways that you take from, from this past season? Um, I, you know, I think the biggest thing is that kids are resilient. You know, they've, they've been through a lot. And I know how hard it was on, on me as an adult. And if I, if I think back to when I was in high school, if I would have lost what those kids have lost, I don't know where I would end up. But, um, you know, they just, in particular, the, the kids that I deal with, um, they handled this like champs. And, uh, I, you know, I, I could just kind of thought if I can approach this in a positive way, then maybe they're going to approach this in a positive way. And so we really didn't focus on what we, what we lost. We just tried to focus on, uh, the 10 games that we got and the time that we got together. So I'm glad it's over. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh. No, yeah, right. Exactly. No kidding. <laughs> No kidding. I'm curious, you know, we all had to make some adjustments or adaptations, you know, for a shortened season, less games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what were some of those adaptations that you made? And is there anything that you're going to take from this year that maybe you'll continue to do in the future? Um, well, you know, we, we got significantly less practice time. That was difficult. Um, you know, we are, we had, Almost my entire varsity team was playing or participating in a culminating event from uh, season three. So we got just a couple days, really a couple days of practice before we started playing league games. And um, uh, that was difficult. I, you know, and, and I hope that we never have to go through that again. Um, <laughs> as far as doing something that, uh, you know, trying to keep something going. I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Everything was, uh, so different that, um, you know, we, I tried to communicate better with my players and families and, you know, that's something I think I'll carry over. Um, but as far as the game goes, I just, I'm ready to move forward now. <laughs> yeah. A little back to, back to normal, right? Back to normal. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of coaches I've talked to said the same thing, right? That we we just we had to communicate better with families, and yeah. we had to be more flexible than ever before. And yes. So hopefully that that patience and flexibility stays with us as we uh, as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So you've had a chance to coach some pretty successful teams. Uh, in my research, I think you've won a couple uh, different state titles. Uh, I'm curious, you know, when you get a team like that, you usually know that you're going to have a team that's going to compete for a state title. Mm-hmm. Do you coach that team any differently than you would a team that maybe isn't going to contend for a state title? And if so, how is that different? Um, my approach really hasn't been different year to year, but the team's response to my approach is what was different. Those, you know, I um, I did was lucky to win a state championship at San Am and then one here at Mazama and then. The years surrounding those championships, we were very successful as well, like one game away. Um, and, uh, you know, my approach those years really, uh, it was really the same. But the difference in all those years was the level of competition we had in practice, which made everybody's game elevate, including myself. So, you know, they challenged me just as much as they challenged each other. Um, you know, which, which probably changed some things for me and, and, uh, you know, made me, I had to, I had to stay on my toes really with those groups of kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that is, was really the difference in my opinion. I, my approach to them has always been the same. My expectation for every team is the same, even though I may know in the back of my mind that that might not be realistic, but, um, that's the only way I know to pull the best out of kids, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you talked about, you know, the competition, obviously, amongst players was different. Is there something, anything you do in particular you feel like that really brings out that competitive edge, whether it's a drill or a situation or an activity that you do that that brings out that competition? Um, um, We are very physical in practice. I require my kids to wear knee pads um, just because uh, I know that we're going to get after it. And, um, and I, I want games to feel easy. So, um, we try to plan all of our drills around some type of competition and, um, and the physical. We, I run several drills that we don't call fouls. And I mean, to an extent, we don't allow our, our kids are pretty good about, um, you know, not, not being dirty, but, um, they know that they're going to take a hit and that it just creates some mental toughness that you can't get otherwise. Yeah. So do you have, do kids wear knee pads at practice only or do they wear them in games no. as well? They wear them in games as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like it. Yeah. And you know, I, back, well, years ago, 20, 23 years ago when I started coaching, they were the knee pads were different. They held up a lot better than the ones do now. So I, I try to tell my kids go to Walmart, buy the cheap ones that last longer for practice. And if you want to look cool in a game, okay, you can buy those thirty-five dollar ones you can get from Nike. But they won't listen to me. Right. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. They can look it all the time, Coach. They can't, yeah. they can't just be. Uh, in the game. That is the truth. Uh, um. And this maybe you just touched on it maybe a little bit. I kind of wanted to dig in deeper. You know, you've won a couple of state titles. You've won over 300 games as a head coach. I'm I'm curious what what do you attribute to that sustained success at at different locations? What what do you think is the the special sauce that you bring to your team to to help them continue to succeed? Um, well, 
first, I think, you know, I've been really, really fortunate to take over two programs that were kind of ripe for the picking with good young players that were motivated to learn and bought into our system. Um, so I've been really, really lucky in that regard. But I think our as as our coaching staff, our focus on fundamentals and, and we try to keep things simple has really helped our kids. They don't, you know, they go into a game, they don't have to overthink. They can just react. And, you know, I mean, I think anybody who has um, played me for, you know, there's several coaches out there that we've competed for several years they know what they're going to get when they play our team and and our kids know so when our kids come into the program they know what to expect and um and it started you know when they were younger so um those are some things i think that have helped maintain our consistency over the years yeah how does that work within i'm assuming you have a youth program of sorts that you work with um is that correct yeah we do yeah it's it's dropped off a little bit in the last few years we've lost a lot of girls to young girls to volleyball um they're just making that decision to play in the winter uh which is frustrating for me but um we do have a youth organization here in Klamath Falls and I try to maintain contact with our coaches and come to practices and stuff like that yeah, how much time do you spend, you know, with your youth program to get those fundamentals developed at an early age? Um, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know an exact time, but I, you know, I try to go to their practices once a week. During, it's hard during the season, um, but you know, for example, the this group I have this that were sophomores this year when they were in eighth grade, I spent a lot of time with them. Um, in the spring, they will have. Twice a week, we'll have open gyms after school where they would come uh, ride the bus to Mazama, and then I get some individual work with them before they get into high school, which has really, really been beneficial the last several years. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I'm curious, maybe you know, how, you might not have a good answer to that. This and this is okay. Um, you know, you talked about being fundamentally sound, which I feel like has been. Uh, maybe harder and harder to teach because kids just are get bored with the fundamentals. So, so how do you make uh, being really good fundamentally not boring and get them to buy into yeah. being fundamentally fast? I look up drills every day. <laughs> every day I'm looking up new drills to, for that exact reason to try to keep kids from from getting bored, but uh, work on the same skills. I like it. Smart, smart. There's plenty out there. Plenty out there. Yeah, plenty. <laughs> um, I want to talk about you, you had a chance to coach your daughters, uh, as you mentioned a little bit, both on the club team and then I believe also at Mazama. Um, mm-hmm. What what was that experience like? Uh, well, my youngest daughter is going to be a senior next year, so this will be it. She'll be the third one, and um, it's been awesome. I mean, I just can't, uh, you you just can't duplicate those experiences elsewhere, especially with my oldest daughter winning a state championship together. She was the, our little water girl on my state championship team at Sandy Am. 
and was just as excited as anybody else. So she got a little bit of a taste. And then for her to win one at Mazama, um, you know, it's just that experience for us we'll, we'll never forget. Um, but, it, you know, and each one of my kids is different, and they approach the game differently. And, you know, my younger two, basketball is not their first love, which is okay, I'm okay with. My middle daughter uh, plays college soccer, and my youngest daughter loves softball. Um, you know, which that's totally fine. I just, uh, I'm just thankful that they both, all three of them stuck it out and stayed with me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, what, did, what, did, what advice would you have for coaches that maybe get the opportunity to coach their kids? Um, we leave basketball on the court. So when we come home, unless they initiate the conversation, we don't talk about basketball. I, I feel like um, all the other players in, in our, my program get to go home and just be kids and talk to their parents about their day and, you know, not have to relive their last two and a half hours of practice. And I feel like my kids deserve the same opportunity. So I think that would probably be my biggest piece of advice is, um, you know, when you're, when you're coaching, you're the coach. But when you're at home, you're the parent. And you just leave that there. No. Did you ever? I, I was a I was a coach's kid as well, and I always felt like uh, when my uh, parents were coaching, I was always uh, they, they were always tougher on me, right? Because I was, yeah. I was their kid. I'm curious, uh, if, one, if your kids felt the same way, and, and how did you kind of navigate that? Um, yes, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they still do, um, and uh, I think they they all three would say that. It just comes with the territory, you know, that they um, – I have high expectations for all three of them. They spent more time in the gym than anyone else. And, um, you know, so, so my expectations for them were a little bit higher. And, and really, to their credit, all three of them have handled it very well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll return with more from Coach Lee right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Coaches, as you prepare for the upcoming season, don't forget to renew your OBCA membership. Membership includes access to exclusive resources from high school coaches across the country, as well as access to Lucio Sports Technology, the same technology used by NBA franchises. Membership starts at just $15. Don't delay. Renew your OBCA membership today. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Joy Lees. Uh, Coach, if I were to come to a practice, uh, what would I see here? What would, what would that look like? Um... Uh, hopefully you would hear a lot of talk that, uh, that's kind of, um, something that we, we focus on. We start off our practice right off the bat with full court drills. Our kids know, um, before the season starts that I expect them to do their own warm up. Um, like I give them plenty of time between school getting out and practice starting for them to get in the gym and warm themselves up and stretch. And we start right off the bat with full court drills get their blood moving and then uh normally we move right into defense and 
a lot of times we will spend half our practice on defensive concepts and fundamentals and communicating. Um, and, uh, uh, and we don't stand around. So, um, I expect my coaches to be coaching, uh, and kids to be paying attention. So I hate drills where you've got a kid, you got 10 kids standing in line and one, one rep is happening. You know, we try to use all the baskets we have available, uh, and get kids as many reps as we can for whatever we're doing. Yeah. How do you teach communication? I feel like it's something that kids uh, are struggling with more than they they ever did. Uh, just I mean, I mean, it's just society and getting to be on our phones all the time. So I mean, how do you emphasize and teach that to where you need it to be to be successful? Yeah, you know that is so hard. I tell the girls all the time that off the court I can't get them to shut up. And on the court, I can't get him to say anything. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, but, you know, a lot of it, in my opinion, has to do with conditioning level. If your kids are in good shape, they are able to communicate for longer periods of time. Um, so we focus on that, being in, in good shape. And then every drill we do, even if it's just three-man weave, we are saying something on every pass. So they're calling out a kid's name when they catch the ball. They're calling out a kid's name when they throw the ball. So we're just constantly communicating on every drill that we do. That's great. And if they're not communicating, that would tell you that they need more conditioning practice? Would that, you know, wink, wink? Is that is that what that means? That's the idea. Okay. That's the idea. Fantastic. Fantastic. I like it. I like it. Um, as coaches, I think there's usually, I mean, we, we obviously value certain things in particular. Um, you know, I would call things that I say, uh, consistently, you know, doominisms, um, or things that, you know, I know that my kids are going to hear me saying a lot, or if they did a skit mm-hmm. that they were making fun of me, they'd say a few simple phrases, right? Uh, which I think mm-hmm. is what we as coaches, if we say that a lot, that's probably something we really value. What what mm-hmm. are some of the things that that I would hear you say quite a bit, or the girls would say they hear from you quite a bit? Uh, get your butt down. <laughs> I mean, just be blunt. That's what it is. I don't say rear. Mm-hmm. I don't say, get your butt down. That's what it, I mean. That's uh, and move your feet. That's what they hear. You know, they they would laugh uh, hearing me say that because I probably say that thirty times in practice. Right. Mhm. I like it. Is that on both ends of the floor, just on defense? Um, you know, primarily when we we'll focus on defense, that's where mm-hmm. where they'll hear it. Um, you know, we we also have a a saying that the key is our house, and if somebody comes into your house, um, you know, they're gonna feel me, and so mm-hmm. that's that's one of our big mottos too: is make sure they feel you when uh when somebody comes through the key. Um I, like I don't like to make I don't like to make that public because I know a lot of officials uh <laughs> discourage that, but it right. doesn't get called right. very often and everything's everybody's being honest. <laughs> right. There you go. Exactly. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um how do you deal with managing player expectations of playing time uh and getting kids to buy into certain roles? Uh, on your team? 
Um, you know, uh, I, we have a well. It's it's all about communication, really. I mean, it's that's um, if they come into the season with these false expectations of playing twenty twenty five minutes a game, and they're the reality is they're going to play two or three, um, that you're just going to have problems right off the bat. So um, we try to do individual meetings um, where we discuss roles. We make sure everybody knows that those roles are not concrete, that um, it, they may change game to game depending on personnel. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things for me is making sure that everybody understands um, the importance of those roles uh, and focusing on it. You know, if we have a, somebody who didn't play very much in a big game that we won, you know, after the game, all of my coaches know that that's, those are the kids that we're patting on the back because they're the ones who did the preparation for the rest of them um, who did the job. So um, it, that's a big one for me is making sure that I uh, um, I'll emphasize the everybody's importance on the team, regardless of the number of minutes they play. Yeah, do you do you feel like that's been pretty successful for you in terms of, you know, the kid, you know, you'll see you got an all-state kid who, you know, is, is helping you win a lot of games and maybe your 10th, 11th girl on the bench who's getting two minutes a game. You know, do you do you feel like you've built that within your program, and maybe how have you built that so that your best player is acknowledging the um, accomplishments and and the work that that eleventh player is doing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it's always difficult. You're all, you know, especially with upperclassmen. You have these upperclassmen who kind of feel like we've been they've been in the program for four years, and so they're entitled to that playing time so it makes things difficult but um, we try to make sure that our bench is 100% engaged 100% of the time and that includes those girls who play the majority of the game when they come out I expect them to be engaged and um, applauding those kids who are on the floor at that time and the same goes in practice you know that they uh, um they have to recognize each other. And my last couple of years, the kids have just been fantastic with that. They're, um, they're just really tight on and off the court, and so that just has not been an issue. And I'm curious, you know, I guess maybe stereotypically, I think sometimes one of the harder parts of coaching girls' athletics is sometimes you don't get uh, that cohesiveness, you know, that you're talking right. about. Um, right. How, how do you kind of build – obviously, you've been lucky these last couple of years. I'm sure you've had teams where it wasn't that easy. But what are some things that you do to kind of build that cohesiveness within your team? Um, you know, I try to schedule a trip every every season where we have to go somewhere and and we don't stay in hotels because I don't like the girls separated. We stay in a house. So everybody's together. And um, I, that – I have found, and in summer league, I try to do the same thing so that that's where that all starts. And they just kind of understand that, um, that you may not hang out on Friday or Saturday night in the off season, but when the season comes together, you know, we're, we're a family and we have each other's backs. And, 
I've been really fortunate that I've had kids buy in. And I think that's probably because my kids have been on those teams on those, you know, they're spread out enough that I've always had one of my own kids on the team and they understand the importance of that. So they've really helped me pull everybody together. Wow. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I'll tell you about, you know, you talked about traveling, uh, which is something you guys have to do a lot, right? Uh, being located in yeah. Klamath Falls, um, even your league's pretty spread out, but I mean, you could be playing playoff games in Portland or Astoria, um, potentially. So I'm curious with, with all that, that travel that you have to do, um, how do you deal with that as a coach in terms of, uh, scouting and, you know, preparing for travel time, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, scouting wise, um, that's where all the, the connections I have come in handy. <laughs> um, you know, I have gotten, I've had a lot of former assistants, um, go film games for me and, um, and I've been able to trade game film, uh, just because I know so many people around the state. So that, that's, that really hasn't been an issue. Um, the travel part, uh, we do a lot of fundraising <laughs> because we know mm-hmm. that, you know, we're going to have some overnight stays, um, which is okay. And I, and our kids don't mind it, honestly. I don't, um, they're just so used to it. We just don't have an issue. And, and in all honesty, in our league, half, almost half of our league games are here in Klamath Falls. So we're actually mm-hmm. lucky there because we have Henley and Klamath Union who are just, just across town. Um, and then, you know, of course, we have to go to Medford, which is a couple-hour trip. But um, it's right. really not not too bad. It's just those off-season or preseason games that, um, you know, if we want to if we want to play and be and be recognized with those good teams in the state, you know, we just understand that we're going to have to travel, and uh, just it kind of is what it is. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, your kids are kind of used to it. Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm curious, do you, do you do anything on bus trips, um, in particular that, that maybe either helps pass the time or team bonding or anything like that? Or do you kind of just let kids get on the bus and, and uh, a couple hours later you hop off and get ready to go? Well, they do it themselves. They are, um, uh, are the past several years, um, our captains have kind of taken that role on and they, play weird games, you know, I don't even know what they are, but um, they they have done that kind of stuff on their own, and which has really freed me up to, to kind of relax on the bus, which is nice. So, um, yeah, I don't have to worry too much about that. No, that's awesome. Uh, I was going to go to the 4A school. You know, I know uh, people might not know, but you also coach softball at the school, mm-hmm. and so you're dealing with multi-sport athletes all the time, um, which is great. But I'm mm-hmm. curious as to how, with sharing so many athletes uh, and kids playing all the different sports, I mean, how do you get players to continue to work on their game and develop in the off-season? Yeah, that that one's hard, too. Um, I, I never, ever want one of my players to think that they have to give up another sport in order to play basketball, you know, I just, it, it, I'm the biggest proponent there is of a multi-sport athlete. And so mm-hmm. I try to do my best to work with our other coaches, especially during 
uh, summertime. That's really when the conflicts arise. And we've, um, I've been lucky that it's just kind of known that June is basketball time. Um, and then, uh, volleyball picks up toward the end of July. And then softball, I, you know, just because I, um, I, you know, work with the head coach so well, we just try to plan around it as best we can so that those kids can do everything they want to do. Uh, cause I just, I can't stress the importance of that enough. And I, I feel bad for kids now because I, uh, more and more they, they feel like they can't compete if they don't work on one sport year round. And, uh, it's just really unfortunate to me. Yeah. Yeah, the kids that maybe you work with in the fall, whether it's volleyball or cross country or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, they have a little less time to ramp up maybe for basketball season. Do, do you do mm-hmm. anything specific for those kids to kind of help get them uh, ready to go? Or do you kind of just, as they come back, you just throw them in full full bore and, and figure it out? Yeah. Um, you know, they we, we have open gyms all fall. And um, – and I, you know, when they come in, I don't let them play. They shoot around just to kind of get a feel. But for me, when they're coming off of those other sports and they're going right from one to another, they know how to compete. And that's half the battle is getting them to compete. And so the rest kind of takes care of itself. And honestly, I prefer that. I prefer them to be done with soccer, done with volleyball two days before their first basketball practice because they're ready to go. They roll right in. And I don't really yeah. have to worry about conditioning or, or really anything with them. Their routine is already there. Right. All right. Good stuff, Coach. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we return, Coach Lease will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball <laughs> Coaches Podcast. Coaches, save the date. The 2021 OACA OBCA Nike Basketball Coach of the Year Clinic will be held Friday, October 8th at Liberty High School. Also, plan to join us for the second annual OBCA Golf Tournament Saturday, October 9th at the OGA Golf Course in Woodburn. You can find more information at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Joy Leith. She's the girls basketball coach at Mazama High School. Uh, coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. Uh, so I'm going to put 35 seconds on a timer, and I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions that should have one- to two-word answers, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Um, and... We're going to see how many questions you can get through in 35 seconds. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Uh, 35 seconds on the timer. We are starting now. Do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? Yes. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? No. What's your favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Hedge and recover. Do you think the high school three-point line should be moved back? No. What's your favorite pregame meal? 
Hawaiian. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Feisty. Feisty. Good time. That's well done. <laughs> well done. I like it. I haven't got that one yet on the podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's great. Um, so, uh, Coach, the shot clock segment um, is fun. It's uh, fun to go over mm-hmm. some basketball stuff, rapid fire like that. But obviously, as I'm sure you're aware, the shot clock is a, a hot topic issue uh, across our state and across the country. Um, yeah. You had mentioned you're in favor of the shot clock. Can you elaborate on why that is? Uh, I, just consistency. You know, we're one of the few states um, in the country that hasn't implemented it. And, um, you know, I know it, it changes some coaching styles a little bit, um, but when you have kids who are moving on to the next level, um, it just, it just makes everything, uh, a little more streamlined. I think it's, it's easier on kids and, uh, officials and everyone involved, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, in that segment, you also mentioned that you would not foul down three under six. Uh, oh, you said down. I thought you said up. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. It is up three. My apologies. I okay. That. Up three. Less than 10 seconds. You said you wouldn't foul. Uh, why not? I'm going to trust our defense. I like it. You know, there may be a situation where uh, um, somebody's got a really hot shooter. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that might change my philosophy a little bit. But um, there's just too many variables too many variables when you're when you're putting somebody to the free throw line and they're that close yeah. to their own basket. Mm, true. Very true. Um, you've had a chance. you coach a lot of basketball. Uh, you've been around the state, even in California. I'm curious, what's the strangest thing you've seen in a basketball gym? Um, I had an intoxicated official one time. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was in the summer league game, oh, thankfully. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, that that was quite the experience. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, how do you, I mean, how do you how do you do with that? What was what was the move there? Well, uh, we were playing South Medford, so I don't know if you know Tom Cole from South Medford. Mm, I but, do. Um, yep. Yep. You know, we just kept looking at each other back and forth like, you got to be kidding me. The guy was kind of making it about himself. He, during timeouts, he's shooting threes, and he actually came, we were at halftime. He um, kind of tried to join in our layup drill, and just, just bizarre. And I, I, I didn't really want to make a scene, and the worst part about it was, and then he kind of started to get belligerent toward the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, in summer league, you just pay the officials cash. So I'm like, oh, I got to get to that other guy first. So I'm the one paying right. the other guy. Oh, no, Tom beat me to it. He <laughs> paid the other guy. I had to pay that guy 25 bucks. And then, but thankfully, I, uh, by the time I got home to call the the commissioner, the guy's partner already had. So I don't, I'm pretty sure that guy never officiated again. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Probably not. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. It it makes for a sad sad story, but also you know kind of a yeah. funny story. You can you can look back. Yeah, and laugh I'm sure on those girls will never now. forget it. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> making 
making memories. Not for good reasons, yeah. but making memories. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Curious, you've gotten to see probably some pretty cool – you know, the state of Oregon, I think, has some really cool gymnasiums, especially at the small, smaller levels, which you've spent a yeah. lot of time in. I'm curious, is there – obviously, you know – you can say Mazama because that's where you're coaching. But I'm curious if uh, <laughs> if there's a gym that you've been in that you're like, wow, that was just a really cool gym or even a really cool atmosphere you've been to. Um, uh, you know, South Medford has a really cool gym. Their facility is fairly mm-hmm. new, and it's um, you know, it, it's it could host a state tournament. Um, mm-hmm. it's that nice. Um, uh, as far as the atmosphere goes, um. I, this is kind of random, but I like Corbett's gym. So Corbett mm. has one of those old dome ceilings, and um, it's kind of, I don't know if it is now. This is years ago. It was dark wood, and kind of the sound kind of bounced off the walls. Just a really cool, small school atmosphere. Yeah, I like it. That's awesome. Um during season, often as coaches, we, we try to put kids in uh, special situations, right, to work on things like, hey, we're up three with less than 10 seconds. Do we foul? Do we not yeah. foul? Uh, is there yeah. a special situation or two that, that you really like to focus on or, or work a lot on with your with your kids? Um, you know, we try to we try to do those situations as much as we can. We're, um, you know, just like you said, um, one thing I think that my our kids really enjoy is um, we work on buzzer beaters just for fun Mm -hmm. and um, just kind of one of those things we like to end practice with to um, to in in some type of competition and um, the last two years it's paid off (laughs) we paid one so (laughs) there you go so you know that's something that I don't think many coaches really think about but uh, it happens a lot so yeah um, no, we you know we we try to we work on those maybe not half court but just inside half court and mm-hmm. just for fun. Do kids treat that as an open tryout? So if they make it, do they get to take a shot <laughs> yeah. in the next game? Or yeah, they know better. They know better. Yeah. <laughs> I had a post player that I had a post player that graduated this year that kept eyeballing me because she kept and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Uh, how do you go about selecting your team captains? My team does it. We vote. We vote on team captains. Usually the summer prior to the season starting. Do you give your captains any sort of specific jobs or responsibilities after they've been voted? Um. Not not specifically. They, um, you know, we have a conversation at the beginning of the season how, um, you know, what their role is and what their job is. That they're not they're not coaches. They are they're the the person that their teammates should feel like they can talk to, and they don't feel like they can talk to a coach. Um, and and you know, even and I say that the the team selects them, but um, you know, we vet that a little bit because. That person has to have the right mentality. Um, they have to be very unselfish, um, and that's uh, not always 
the the kids see as leaders may not have the qualities that we're looking for as a leader. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's really it. They do a lot of organizing as far as, um, you know, we order some team gear, stuff like that. They're in charge of that, those types of things. Um, um, so, but as far as specific roles every year, it kind of changes. So I don't, I don't really have anything set. Yeah. Good. What's your, uh, what's your favorite drill that you do in practice? Um, we do a, and, you know, I kind of have to preface this by saying not every team I've had can run this drill. Um, mm. but, uh, we run a two on two rebounding drill where the first team to three that gets off the court, the other team has to stay. No out of bounds, no foul. Um, it is really intense. And, you know, when my, the team I had in 2013 at Mazama that won the state championship, there was, um, I, I was glad that nobody came in and watched because we had bloody noses. <laughs> we, we had the kids just flat got after it. And so it's very intense. Yeah. So two on two, <clears throat> kind of walk me through here. Coach shoots it. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Coach shoots the first you, ball. Okay. And then, uh, uh, the, you know, the defense to box out and they can go right back up if they get the rebound. The, um, Offense is trying to get offensive position to get an offensive rebound, and then team who score who makes three three baskets um, gets to leave, and the other team's got to stay, whether they're offense or defense. So um, we have some rules, you know, no, you can only dribble twice, um, and like I said, no out of bounds. So I had some kids who are pretty strategic with using the wall um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, you know, pin girls in that kind of stuff, and um, and of course we call any flagrant fouls, but um, right. most of the time it just it's it's a great conditioning drill um, mm-hmm. because if you have a team who plays good defense, it can go on for a long time, um, and and then it's that mental toughness piece that um, you know they're they're just not going to feel that physicality in a game, so it makes the game seem easy. Right. And so if I'm on, if my team's on defense, say I rebound and I score, do I then go to offense for the next possession? No. Or do I stay It keeps going. So you get, whoever gets the ball out of the net can score again. So there's no, no dead time. It's nonstop. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. All right. And then you, like you were saying earlier, you put groups at each basket and then the first team at each basket would win, win that rep, I would assume. Well, this drill we um we do it at one basket, so everybody see everybody's there, but they need that rest time actually. Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, it's it, it gets pretty intense. Um, yeah. But it it helps uh, too to see for everybody else to watch those other girls. Um, just because I you know it you have you have those kids who are. Uh, you know, above, a little bit above everybody else, and maybe they, they work harder, and, um, it just pulls everybody else along. So it keeps the level of intensity the same. And do you put them on teams, or do you let them choose their teams? Um, that depends too. I've had to, um, several years ago, I had to choose the teams because, I had a couple kids who 
would just demolish everybody else and physically. Right. So I have split, split some girls up, but yes. I mean, this, this last couple of years, I let them pick their teams. And gotcha. And it, then. It makes those, makes those kids who don't have, have the skill have to adapt and figure out ways. And they do. Right. It, it helps them. Yeah. Well, and you got to be creative. And like you're saying, you only have two dribbles, right? So you can't. Yeah. You can't waste the dribble sitting out there because that's yeah. valuable. So. Yeah. And then after you get three, does the coach shoot again? Or after that third yeah. basket, is it just the next team sprints yeah. in and you're going yeah. live? From no. There? No. It then starts over. Starts over. Okay. So if the team, if the team who was on offense to start has to stay on, they get to become defense. Gotcha. Good. All right. Well, coaches, it sounds like if you got that, just have the med kit ready. Trainer on, on site. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, 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 and don't tell and, parents what you're doing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, build some toughness. Though. I think that's good. Always yeah. needed. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, coach, I think that's the last question I had for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Lee, you can find her contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach them up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.